0: Hey, it's Brian. We're doing something a little different on this podcast. With the protests and riots happening around the country, John and I wanted to have a conversation about what it's like to be a black man in America today. We've invited on Norris Frederick to join us. Norris is an Olympic long jumper turned social media consultant and creator. Like John, he is also a black American. Norris just released a six-minute video on his Instagram channel called Breaking the Silence in which he speaks publicly for the first time about what it feels like to be a black person in America. It's currently approaching 200,000 views. Norris doesn't sugarcoat anything in this conversation. He shares exactly how he feels and he shares some of the experiences that have led him to feel this way. Before you listen to this podcast, I highly encourage you to click on the link in the show notes and watch his video. Then come back and join us for a wide ranging discussion of what it's like to be a black man in America, what makes this time different and why Norris is skeptical that this will lead to lasting change. As for me, I can't pretend to understand what it's been like for John, Norris, and all the other black men in America, but I appreciated being able to participate in this discussion. It was important for me to hear their stories. It's important for all of us to hear more stories like theirs. Here's our conversation with Norris Frederick. all right we're really excited to welcome norris frederick onto the podcast in light of all the situations that's been going on norris just published a really powerful video on instagram uh, where he spoke about his experience and breaking the silence of being a black man in america and we've invited norris on norris and john go way back but this is going to be a little bit different podcast we want to talk to norris about this moment that we're in and explore it a little bit, the, the conflicting emotions that many people are feeling. So Norris, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, no, thank you so much for taking the time, Norris. I know you're a busy creator. Uh, obviously, you're an Olympic athlete, you know, a businessman doing all kinds of amazing things, positive things in the world. But you and I had a pretty interesting conversation just a couple of days ago, and you shared uh, a quick preview of what you uh, just published as a, a new piece, a new video that you had released, and everything, and I w- wanted to give you an opportunity to share why you called it "Breaking Silence." Is the name of the video? It's on your Instagram. Um, you know, please tell people first of all how they find it, and and also you know, a l- little bit of that backstory. What what led you to choose to do that video and do it right now?
2: Yeah, perfect. Um... So, uh, like John said, uh, my name is Norris Frederick. I am a Seattle, Washington native. Um, I was born and raised here. Um, I wanted to create something that meant something to me, and not just for what's going on in the in the in the current world. Um, you know, for anybody who is of color. You know this world isn't easy. It's not all rose petals and and things like that. Like it's uh, it's it's a grind and it's and it's hard. And as of lately, you know, with this quarantine and having all the extra free time and things like that, and able to be online and and be more, you know, in the social media space, like it's just one killing after another. Um, and unfortunately, you know, this time it's uh, you know just like the The black male black female race and it's uh it's been confusing and Mm -hmm. i didn't want to say anything at first just because i think i've become numb to it it's become you know everyday life you know for me as a minority and the challenge has begun when we're trying to figure out like why why me and like what have i done like i was born into this body i didn't ask to be black, I didn't ask to be a man, I didn't ask to be any of this. You know, it was just the the card that I was drawn. And, you know, I wake up every day, not knowing like if, if this is gonna be the the last day or the last breath that I have, or, you know, what happens if I go into the wrong place at the wrong time and, and things like that. So I wanted to create something so people can actually hear it and see it. And I wanted people to see the sincerity on my face when I was speaking and like, this isn't new news to me, you know, and this isn't Mm -hmm. something that's just crept up on me. Like it's been here for my entire life and I've seen it not only in this country, it's been the most prevalent in this country because I'm from here, but you know, I've seen it worldwide and it's a, it's a scary place. And um, we did a bunch of outtakes, my team and I, and I didn't put a lot of this stuff in the video, but you know, one thing that's, that sticks out, I would never want to raise a kid in this world right now i would not mm. even know what kind com- of like i don't know what comes first you know like the birds and the bees conversation or what <laughs> yeah. happens when you you know get approached by an officer of the law yeah so like wow i don't want to have that conversation with the kid Can i don't ask- want to have that conversation with anybody y- it should y- be a no-brainer
0: you said something just right nor is <laughs> <a> second ago <laughs> that um <laughs> like you never know if if today's going to be your last day and and I just want to ask you really directly, like, is that really when you go outside, is that really something that's on your mind? Because I think as a white man, going, whether I'm in America or, or anywhere else, I don't, I do have that feeling subtly, like, of course, you could get in a car accident, you could get in a bus, you know, you could get hit by a bus, This, the proverbial, you know, something could happen. But I don't have any fear that I'm going to be, it's going to be because of something like a police altercation or something like that, right? Right. And, and I'm curious, you know... How prevalent that really is for you on a daily basis, and, and same question to you, John. Yeah. So my thing
2: is, is Brian, have you ever been in a neighborhood and you just get like this eerie feeling, like you shouldn't be here?
0: Yes, not that's often, but yeah, like, sometimes a, a, a couple. That's of times. what it's
2: like being a black man in America. Some neighborhoods you may feel safer in because the majority of the people look like you. But, like, where are the police going? If the majority of the people look like you and that's where you feel safe, that's where all the, the conflict is going to – like, that's where everybody's going to. So, and then when you remove yourself from that, let's say I'm like, okay, I don't want to go to where, what makes me comfortable. I go to a different place, and now I'm a complete outsider. So now even i got a bigger target on my back. So it's mm-hmm. it's extremely uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And it may not be I, – I wish, Brian, I wish it was to the sense of where – the only fear is like, hey, it could be a car accident. Hey, I could get hit by a bus. Hey, I could have an allergic reaction to something. The ending result is, is a man just lost his life for a counterfeit twenty dollar bill. Yep. It's not like he yeah. think about this situation too. Like we're in a quarantine, people are losing their job. Unemployment's at a at a at a standstill right now. People don't have anything. And if and if the price on a person's life on a black male's life this day and age is 20 bucks. Like, I mean, what, what, like, I, I just, I'm having a hard time trying to, trying to figure out where I'm at with that.
1: That's hard to even comprehend. I mean, for sure, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and well, th- to answer the question for me, you know, um, it's a tough question to answer because I haven't, I personally haven't grown up um, in, in, in a predominantly black, black community anywhere. I mean, I've had I've grown up in communities that are predominantly either Hispanic or predominantly Caucasian. So um, for me, like when I when I do where I've grown up, I never thought about it. Um, but I'm pretty sure it was happening all the time. And And as I've gotten older, I've realized that it actually was happening all the time. I am being watched. I am being uh, profiled, uh, I am. Uh, you know, the, the people will walk across the street, or you're walking on the sidewalk, and that the, the white woman or or something punches their bag, and you're like, Is somebody behind. And I'm looking around like it's somebody behind me because I wasn't around a lot of black people growing up, and my parents always taught us. You know, they we, they focused on positivity. They focused on uh, inclusion. They focused on. Um, acceptance. They. It was never even a question in my own home. Um, what, how we treated people. Race. Race never was a, a was a topic of conversation as it relates to what, what doing the right thing. So, I never spent time thinking about it. But it, but the funny thing is, it was always happening. Right. It was always there. I'm pretty sure my dad was thinking about it all the time. You know, my father was the one yeah. who. You know, uh, my mom taught it to us, and she raised us this way. But my dad talked about it. He talked about Malcolm X. He is an artist. He's a is a, he's an artist. He's a painter. He's a very great, talented painter. And he drew drew these beautiful pictures and murals of of beautiful black men, Muhammad Ali. He drew pictures of Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, you know, Marcus Garvey. All these people. Like, and he's putting this stuff up, and he's reading these books, and he's putting it in front of me and stuff. So he was thinking about it. I knew it was on his mind, you know, and looking back now, and, and, and the conversations I have with my father now, but when I go outside and I'm doing my own thing, like, I never thought, like, oh my gosh, like, is, 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 should I be worried about it? But that, that doesn't mean that it wasn't a problem. That's the funny thing is that I didn't think about it because I wasn't raised to think about it, right. you know? Yep. But it was there, and that's the so that's the flip side to it. Today, and as of, you know, probably the last 10 years so living in Orange County, I didn't see a lot. I, I was very aware of my blackness, and and I would I would always tell myself, "Gosh, I'm like a unicorn. I don't see a lot of black people in Orange County. It's like very rare to see a black person, you know." So I'm like, "Man, I I felt self conscious, and because of being self conscious, I was I was I would see cops, and I'd be like, oh, I would get worried because I I knew that there was a possibility that didn't matter that I was. I've, I've never gotten this... I've gotten, like, one speed ticket my entire life, and it happened, like, a year ago. And I was in New York, and we were in this open thing, and we were driving to the, the, this six-hour drive, and I just didn't realize I was going 80, you know? And, and that was the first time I ever gotten a ticket. I never do anything crazy in my car, is my point. I'm, I drive like a grandma, my kids will tell me. <laughs> you know, I, I'm really, like... Chill about my driving. I I I see driving as like a, a, a you know very dangerous thing. So I take it very seriously. So for me, even as a somebody who's a cautious driver, who's clean driving record, I'm like, oh my gosh, am I doing something wrong? And I'm like, two hands on the wheel, ten two, because I'm thinking I, I could get pulled over just because I'm black, you know. Right. And so it, it, I didn't think about it a lot growing up, but I've thought about it a lot since moving to Orange County, and uh, it's disappointing because, especially as of late, I I I, I always wonder. I'm like, man, is this going to be the day? I don't think about if. I think about when because I know it's coming. I know it's coming. You know, and that's and that's been my wow. experience. I didn't think about it. I didn't. I didn't think about it a lot growing up. I've had to think about it a lot the last ten years, and I've thought about it a lot the last seven days.
2: And. In- Going off of what you're saying, these past few days, like, I've, I love everybody. Black, white, Mexican, Asian, it doesn't matter. Like, I I love people, and I said that in my video, and I met it full-heartedly. But here's my issue. I've had people these past few days reach out to me that I haven't spoken to in five years, 10 years, or ever, saying, Mm -hmm. oh, I just wanted to check in on you. Don't check in on me. Don't do that. This is what America has come to right now, where like people are feeling so guilty for the same stuff that has been going on for centuries, as if this Wednesday today is any different than the Wednesday that happened last week or the month before that. Like Nothing about my life has changed. When I woke up this morning and I had to go to the grocery store or I had to go down to the bank, I was still equally at risk then as I was Five years ago, nothing about my life has changed. So don't take your guilt and your lack of like education around this situation and project you feeling sorry for anyone else aside from yourself onto me. I don't. I don't need it. I got. A, I got a bunch of other things that are going on in my life.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. just
2: like that has been the most frustrating, degrading, devaluing thing that has been going on these
1: past few days. And I've like, heard that from a lot of. I've heard that from a lot of uh, uh, African Americans, specifically African American males. I've heard that a lot.
2: Well, think about Maybe. it. It's not like if I were to if I were to ask you a question, John. And Brian, no disrespect and no disrespect over the white race, John. Did you not have an inkling in your mind to assume that one of two things were going to happen: either white people were going to take this way, way, way up here, or just not do anything mm-hmm. about it at all? Mm -hmm. so either they're going to be like oh my gosh i'm sorry to every black person in the world or they're just going to be like whatever i'm not going to say anything to anybody
1: yeah that's that's what we thought i think that that was the thought that we had that was a conversation that we had that was a point that you made that really hit me hard and why i had to send share that social post of like i'm still black when this stops trending what happens then you know i had to say that and it's like that's not it's weird because i'm like that's not really my style but i'm like I've been quiet for too long. I've t- I have to break the silence. And I think that a lot of people, black, white, and otherwise, they all kind of feel, they do feel guilty. And I'm like, gosh, I, like I said to you, I feel ashamed that I didn't say anything sooner, that I haven't really stood up for it. But I'm like, we've been, we said the same thing. We're like, I don't know what to do because right. everything that we've, everything has already been tried. It seems. Yeah. And it's, and, and, and we're still here. We're still here. Like, like, the King of Kings, Martin Luther King Jr. If he couldn't do it, I think a lot of us are like in the back of our heads. We're like, if he can't do it, and look at how far he went. What the hell can we do? That's how it feels. So I'm, no, So we're and sitting I, there. And and I, I, think lot, exactly. I think a lot. Of, I think a lot of black people. I think a lot of black people are like, I got to protect what I got, well, and I don't really want to really bring more heat I on think. myself. I think a lot of black people feel like that. I don't want no more heat on me. I got to. I'm. Fi- already hard enough. It's already hard. Enough. Black
2: men, I think as black men, especially black men in America, we have this like undying way of surviving. So mm-hmm. you know like, I, I don't come from money, I don't come from stability. I don't come from all these things that um, just speaking on behalf of myself, I don't come from all these things that I feel that a normal life should be. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I never grew yeah. up in a two income household or a two parent household. And I remember uh, the first, the first white, white person, the white girl that I had dated, I asked, I, I honestly asked, I said, Hey, like, does your dad live with you? And she looked at me and was just like, that's yeah. a weird question. And I was like, well, why yeah. is it a weird question? And she was like, well, does your dad not live with you? And I was like, no. And like, At that point, I'm just thinking to myself, like, huh, like, am I normal or is she normal? Or like, you know, like when I was sitting at my friend's house, we would have like dinner as a family. And then the next morning we'd have breakfast as a family. Like, I never experienced that. Or like after dinner, you get dessert. Like, I've never experienced that. (laughs) Or like an allowance. I've never experienced that.
0: Right. Wow.
2: Because we were too busy just trying to survive. So I have a whole different appreciation for the things that I value in my life, especially my life. And, like, when we had a national championship meet in Arkansas in college, and we went, it was in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and we went Mm -hmm. to a Walmart uh, to get Gatorade and water. And there was a little boy in there with his family, mom and dad, I'm assuming. And the little boy had to be no older than four or five or six. Couldn't be no older. My teammate and I, another black guy, Long jumper from uh, Cordell, Georgia. So he understood racism. He had been through it. He's seen it at his fullest capacity and things like that. This little boy looked at us and said, I don't like black people. And I looked at my teammate and he looked back at me and my teammate was about to say something. So the dad looks at us and kind of like smiles and was like, huh, "He shouldn't be saying that." At five or six years old, for you to know, okay, first and foremost, no,
0: <laughs>
2: racism is a <laughs> behavior, number one. Racism right. is a learned behavior. Uh, number two. Yeah. Number three, for a five or six year old to put all those words together to form a cohesive sentence to target it at a person that he knows will will hurt from those words was beyond me. Yep. So I knew it wasn't the kid that said that. I knew it was the parent that said that. So I sat and I looked at JR and I'm like, bruh, like, did you hear that? He was like, man, we need to get out of here. And then, like, it mm-hmm. hit me. I'm not in Seattle, Washington. This isn't my everyday life. I've never seen it like this before.
1: Yep. Yeah.
2: But you just feel defenseless because what happens? Really ask yourself, if I were to cuss those parents out and then things got physical, what happens? Who goes to jail?
0: Yeah, you do. That's right.
2: So it's just like the other day, or it, it was, this was like three months ago, I was at the uh-huh. grocery store and I was in the checkout line and the lady didn't have any help with like bagging. So I went to the side and I was helping her bag before before I paid. The lady behind me had a cart and said, could you move your cart out the way? Where do you want me to put this cart? You can't even scan your stuff because I'm in line.
1: Uh-huh. So I said,
2: hold on, please. So I go to pay and she rams her cart into the back of my heels. And I turned around and I said, what are you doing? She said, move out the way. I had, had enough. So I nudged the cart super hard and hit her in her stomach with it. Uh-huh. And she looked at me and was like, what did she say? She's like, you African, something, you African a-hole. Wow. First of all, I'm not even African.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right.
2: I'm that out there. I don't even have the same complexion as an African. <laughs> so, and then, before anybody came to, to my aid or anything, cell phones start popping up. Yeah. No. And people are recording it. And I'm looking at this lady, like, and I'm asking myself, I said, I'm telling myself, like, if this lady gets on this boat, she's going to have to ride it. Mm -hmm. And then a white woman came up and was like, you're in the wrong, you're in the wrong. I saw everything. And then she looked at me and was like, you've done nothing wrong. Please go on about your business. We'll handle that. I get to my car. And again, I felt so defeated. I felt Mm -hmm. degraded. I felt demasculated. I was embarrassed. I haven't gone back to that grocery store. So it's- it's, When, it's,
1: when, When did this happen, Norris?
2: This was like
0: December. In December, wow. wow. I think these are the kind of experiences that that like myself. Uh, unless I happen to be exactly in the right place at the right time, I don't see it, right? I don't experience it, and it's the thing that doesn't get caught on. A, maybe it doesn't get caught on a camera. It doesn't get flagged in some statistic. It doesn't. It doesn't get picked up. Right. Yeah. Yet I think these are probably far and away the most common experiences, right? Like, like the George Floyd is so extreme. And it's not that it's not happening, it's happening way too much, but it's, it's these experiences that you're describing that I think create the conditions for the, the big reaction that we're seeing right now. It's, it's, it's the, it's the fact that like every single black man out there has probably can list off a handful of experiences that they've had at the expense of other citizens or at the police or at whatever institution or, or, or group that they're, that they're dealing with. And those, they're small, like uh, there are they're these little micro aggressions or micro situations, but they have a huge effect on the way you feel on an ongoing basis. Right. And, and they, and they build on each other. They, they don't, they don't, one doesn't go away after it's done. And the next one comes, the next one makes the, the, the previous one feel even worse because it's,
2: Brian, let me ask you this. Yeah. If we take away athletes, we take away politicians, or any type of entertainment. When was the last time you turned on the news and saw a black man being praised for anything? Uh,
0: to be honest, the last thing I, I, I it's been ages. But the th- what I think about is is this classic story of this random black man did a great deed to help somebody, and we caught it on camera, kind of sort of thing, right? Like it's it's like this guy was the surprising hero in this situation.
1: That's the. The African the, in France it scaled a building to rescue some kid. I remember that that pops in my head, you know. And then he was made a French citizen yeah. be, only because of that thing. And they wanted, and the French wanted to look good and appear. It's like basically a PR thing in terms of what why France. But they found the, out why France had done it. It's, it's, just, it's Is why is it
2: that when I ask you guys those stories, you guys could name one or two stories off exactly. the top of your head? Yeah. Right. And you and you open the conversation with, with this what this would happen a long time ago.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. It's it's uh Right. Yeah.
2: If I were to ask you when the last time someone someone white is being praised. Oh, shit. Twenty two minutes ago.
1: Breaking news. Right. Like, Well, it's a good point. There was a young man. I think it was the first black valedictorian, I think, of Princeton or something like that. They post somebody had posted this on LinkedIn. I think it was Princeton. Yes. And is yes, the uh, first black valedictorian in their school's history and the rea- it's funny to read the comments. It's almost like the story is is almost irrelevant because everybody's just like, well, that's not something we're celebrating because why the heck has it taken so long <laughs> for this to happen? You know, and I mean, this poor young man, I just commented I said congratulations to this young man for his accomplishment because I'm like it's. It, it turned into this whole racial conversation and, and that's another good news thing that came into the thing but we can't even celebrate anything because it it has to be turned into a black thing because everybody's like well, why does it have to be about his race if you have to ask the question somebody said if you have to ask the question then you have no idea what the heck's really been going on <laughs> It's yeah. there's a reason why we have to bring up his race because we've been oppressed right that's why no,
2: it's, it's definitely a different ball game and I think you know, like some of the things that I hit on in my video was I don't I don't think that all people are bad people. I, I refuse right. to think that. I don't want to think that. Because if I start thinking like that, I'm gonna lose it. Yep. So the the best thing that I can possibly do is give everyone until they've given me no choice to think that they're a good person especially like if I were to bump into Brian on the street and Brian was having the worst day of his life and I accidentally bumped into him and he dropped his bag and he projected, is it fair for me to treat every white person the way that he treated me because he was having a compromised day? Because the reality of it is, it's like in today's society, if anybody on this podcast right now were to ask me how I'm doing, despite truly how I actually am doing, I'm going to say good. And then I'll ask you how you're doing. Yep. Right. It's only it's only it's only Curtis courtesy for me to be like, oh, I'm good. Because if I start going into heavy detail, the first thing you guys would be like, whoa, 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 whoa. We didn't ask for that. But you did. You asked me how I'm doing. Yep. And this is legitimately how I'm doing. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's hell right now. But like, what do I look like? You know, to most people, just another black guy, No, like complaining about all the things that he can't do in this world Mm -hmm. and it's just like all these things that have come into my mind and been so apparent these past few years like people assume in 2020 that racism just arrived like there's been a there's been a black body dead every single week for like the past month and a half but no one's talking about any of that people are so confused i was working this lady out today and I had to explain to her like, they're not rioting, and looting because of this this guy's death. They're not doing that. These are completely different things that that are going on right now. Like mm-hmm. this is what America's like when we don't have a a voice. This is what America's like when no one is telling people what to do. People are taking law into their own hands. Like. I didn't want to talk about this, but I sent an athlete to a college down in Oregon a few years ago, and she was one of the first athletes that I've coached for four years and got her to a university, and she got there and immediately called me, and she was, like, sobbing, telling me she wanted to go home, and I'm looking at the situation, like, no, you're not coming home because, like, I I went to college. It's tough. She said, no, 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 it's not that. I said, what's going on? The KKK showed up to that campus with guns, everything, and said that if you are a minority in this university or at this school, we are going to open up fire and kill you. What? I said, are you kidding me? So she sent me a tweet saying that the school was on lockdown, and then she said that the police showed up and set up a barricade and called that a peaceful protest. I just don't understand wow. how anything peaceful was about. Like, there was nothing peaceful in that whole story. If I were to even call in, if I were to call in and be like, I'm not gonna go to work today, I'm feeling crazy and I might shoot someone, guess who's gonna be knocking on my door?
0: Yeah, uh-huh.
2: You can't even bring a
0: gun to school.
2: No, I just it's... don't understand.
0: Uh, y- you. You you've you've shared a couple stories here that that whether it's from Arkansas it's it's your your athlete and I find this really striking that you named your video breaking the silence and you're you're deciding to talk about this and and you made your video to talk about it and I I want to ask you why do you think it's been so hard to speak about it is it is it just that like what you said you, the courtesy aspect you don't want to like you don't want to overwhelm the people and you just want to have everything be nice and smooth? Or, or, or what do you think is driving the difficulty of of speaking about it? And do you, I guess it, it, what makes it different now? Is it what put you over the edge and made you decide now? No, this is this is time.
2: That's a good question. Brian, people aren't afraid of people. People are afraid of being uncomfortable and black people, minorities make white people uncomfortable. So for a white person, John, and and correct me if I'm wrong, have you Mm -hmm. ever been in a room, and you're the minority in the room, and someone can't really articulate how to refer to you as, like, the black guy or the African-American guy? And it's Mm -hmm. just kind of like a stole, like, ugly feeling in the room until somebody else changes the subject? Yeah. That, and it's something as small as that. That that African-American guy, just call me black. Yeah. I see it. I see it every day. Just call me black. <laughs> you've never been yeah. you've never been PC until right now. Call me black. Yeah. Yeah. So like when you're thinking like that and like you gotta like walk around certain points, like if just say just say it. Like it sucks right now. It it freaking sucks. Mm-hmm. I've seen So many people posting about, like, I hear you, I see you. You don't hear us. You don't see us. You're not even a part of what's going on right now. You're at home. Like, you're at home behind closed doors writing this because the rest of society is writing it, and you think that you're going to get a bump in views or a bump in likes or a bump in comments. The reason why I made that video, Breaking the Silence, I did that for me. I knew that it would get a good response because it's relevant, but I also did that because I want to get my stuff out there so people can see me for a human being instead of just seeing me as a black guy. Mm -hmm. No matter what I do, Brian, they're going to be like, oh, you know, like, you did well for a black dude, (laughs) or you run fast because you're black, or you jump high because you're black, or you're going to get, you're stronger than me because you're black. Maybe if we just really think about it, maybe I just have a different work ethic than you. Maybe I just like. Maybe I just work harder. Yeah, yeah. But there's always as an, there's always an excuse as to like why I can't have something versus why I do get something. There's always an excuse, and it always has to fall back into the race category.
1: Yeah, it's always as qualified. uncomfortable
2: yeah. as it is to talk about it. It's really easy for someone to point that out.
1: When when you created this video, Norris, you know, and 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 I, and I hear what you're saying. Um, I think that it was great that you spoke up. I think that that's important because if you don't speak up for yourself, then you're allowing everybody else to speak for you. Okay. So that's, I think that's one of the things that I've learned from my own silence about being able to talk about this particular topic. And it's, it's still a struggle because I'm going to do it. I'm going to stumble and I'm going to trip and I'm going to say shit that I probably shouldn't say, but I'm still going to do it anyway. You know what I mean? And, but because we got to speak up. But I think the thing that's really, really interesting is that um, you did speak up. You did say something. And I'm curious, where do do you take it from? Where do you, Norris, Frederick, this talented uh, content creator, uh, this talented marketer, um, and obviously this talented human being, what do you do now that you've broken your silence? Where do do you see this going? You continue to build. It's a snowball effect.
2: I do speaking engagements all across this country. I know for a flying fact, I am not going to save everybody. I just want them to be in the room to hear me. Growing up in high school and middle school and elementary school, I was a class clown. I was a headache only because I didn't know how to do anything else. If you're not getting a certain type of attention at home, you're gonna go somewhere else to get Any type of attention, and that's what I was doing. Mm -hmm. So now, as an adult, when I'm walking into these engagements and I'm seeing stuff like this, I did a speaking engagement in Michigan City, Indiana, and I brought one of the little kids up because he just kept interrupting me. And the weird thing was, it's like I couldn't even be mad at him because that was me. I saw me inside of him. That was a younger middle school version of me. So, like, it is my duty in life. It is my it is my duty to go out here. And to 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 speak my truth, you don't have to like me. I don't even care if you do like me. Just respect me. Respect me as if as if I'm your brother or your uncle or your dad or your cousin. Just respect me. Give me that type of respect. And then and then at that point, if you still don't like me, we're just not meant to be. I'm not here for everybody. I'm an acquired taste. I get it. But. <laughs> Don't judge me based off of what another black person's done to you or done to a friend of a friend of a sister's of a relative's. That is not fair. Because right yeah. now, right now, I could simply be like, I hate white people. And white people, the first thing that you guys are going to do, Brian, sorry, you're, I, I get it. I understand. You have every reason in the world to, but I don't have every reason in the world to. Because at the end of the day, you're still a man with a family and you're still a human being and you still deserve the same respect as all of us. And, like, that's where my head is. Am I pissed off? No, I'm not. Am I upset? No, I'm not. Am I emotional about this stuff because it means something to me and this could possibly and potentially be the reason why my life is taken from me? Of course. But I'm not mad. What's the point of being mad? I've been on uh-huh. this earth for more than 30 years. This shit didn't sneak up. I've seen this. I've seen this movie. There's no point to be mad. If, I, if I'm if i mad, I... I I fall into everything that I'm trying to fight against. I could be I could be looting and rioting right now down the street just to blow off some steam, or I could be in here creating content for people to look at. And no, mm-hmm. that's not a hostile black man. That's not what a hostile black man looks like.
1: But who knows? How do you feel in terms of the difference that you think you can make? That do you feel this, like disheartened in terms of uh, the impact, or, or is it, the, or is that irrelevant? Because you just know that you have to keep moving forward.
2: Extremely irrelevant. I mean, think about it, John. Training for the Olympics, you have to look at the long game. You can't mm-hmm. look. You can't. You can't look at it, or you got to look at you got to look at the immediate game. You can't look at the long game because if you're if you're looking at it like, well, four mm-hmm. years from now, you know, I just got to make this team. But if you get your ass kicked every single day for four years and then the day that you're supposed to show up to compete, what have you learned? You've only learned how to get an ass kicked. So Uh every single day is the most important day of my life. When I'm on tour, when I'm talking, or when I'm creating this content, it is the most important thing to me because I have to live day by day. I have to live in that moment. Most people will sit here and be like, oh, you work too much. What's the alternative? Like, oh, you work long yeah. hours. Again, what's the alternative? I don't know anything else. I will always survive. I will always figure out a way to be okay. The moment that yeah. I stop working hard and the moment that I don't have that aggressive mentality to get stuff done every single second of every single day, then we have our issue. That's when the problem is here. But I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't get discouraged easy. I don't really let my emotions penetrate anything or compromise or contradict anything that I got going on. I'm a very, very logical and critical thinker, and I usually like will think before I go out there and, and react. As an adult, I used to not be like that,
1: mm-hmm. uh-huh. Uh-huh. so I just
2: weigh the pros and cons. the pros and cons extremely quick, and um, uh-huh. you know, like even with this podcast, like. My energy right now—I just want to use a bunch of swear words, mm-hmm. and but my vocabulary, like, it's not going to. Yeah, I
1: slipped. I slipped too. I, I said one, and I said, "Oh man, that's not—that's not what our podcast is about," <laughs> you know. But the emotion, the emotion is there, and I'm like, uh, a good a homie of mine, Justin Hunt from uh, uh, high school, sprinter, track and field athlete as well. Um, and I, I, you know, I follow him on Instagram. A good friend of mine to this day. He's like my big brother, man. He's about a year older than me, and he, he's, you know, uh, got the dreads. He looks all tatted up. He's, he's strong, beautiful black man, and, and, and he's, but he's the most sensitive guy, the most beautiful sensitive person. And I, and he got, and I, I've been hitting him back for like three or four days. So I look up to him He's like a big brother to me. And I said, Yo, I said, what are you gonna say, something, man? And he says, Man, I can't say nothing yet. I don't know what to say. I just don't know what to say because I don't want to. I don't want to speak out of emotion, to the point where I'm not. I'm belligerent, you know, a uh, belligerent, and and it just it just not making any sense. So he said, "Give me, give me a moment," you know. Then he posted something today, and it was like this 12 minute uh, video, and and I think there was still. I think it was still very emotional because he, he he did repeat specific things. But I said honestly, I'm glad he did that. I'm glad he repeated what he said. But the thing that he said. If you would cut out twelve minutes of it and just take the the, the, the how much time he spent saying probably this one phrase, it'd probably be about six minutes. He said, "I'm <laughs> so tired."
0: Yeah.
1: for probably about six minutes out of the twelve minutes, literally. I'm not kidding, not exaggerating. He said, "I'm so tired," and there was tears in his eyes, and this beautiful, strong—I mean, strong—brother. And he's sitting there and he's like. I'm just tired. My soul is tired, and he cursed a couple times on this thing. And he doesn't do that. And he says, "Man, he was about to apologize." That he said, "You know what? No, <laughs> I'm not gonna apologize for saying the the the, 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 word, the curse words that I'm using right now because I think we've been doing that too much. Not African Americans. I think that society has been apologizing." and trying to be politically correct, and trying to do all this stuff. And and all we're really doing is just nullifying what n- really needs to be said. And you need to say it like it is. Right. You need to just call it what it is, because um, we got to stop apologizing for what's right and what's real and what the truth is. And, you know, this particular episode that we wanted to do with you Norris. You're a special individual, you know, and yeah, you're an African-American as well, but you're more than that. You're more than a black man, but we happen to be black and we happen to live in America and we have to say something because, um, and it doesn't matter how it comes out. It doesn't matter if you can't handle it. That's your problem. Right. John, I that's your problem. You. you know what I mean? You know, our, 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 we, can't, we, can't, we can't do that. We can't, we, can't, we can't help you with your feelings. You have a responsibility. Whatever that guilt is that they're trying to throw on you, that's their responsibility, not, uh, not ours. John, do you remember when we went to Jamaica?
2: Yeah. Do you remember what they were saying when we were walking into the stadium and they were calling us gringos? Yeah. <laughs> I went to Africa yeah. a few years back and they said we were white boys
1: yeah so
2: how is it yeah that we're too white to be in africa too white to be in jamaica but too black to be in america where do we fit in so it's just like i I don't know i mean and like i was saying in that video if we were all sent back to our native countries right and America was just what it is. They just wanted it to be just white, whatever. What else would there be to fight about? It's gonna be. There, there's going to be something. Uh-huh. No one's going to be happy with anything. It's just really mind-blowing to me. I'm, I'm standing in Senegal looking at the ocean. One side of this country looks beautiful. Don't get me wrong. Beautiful. The other side looks like a war zone.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: you got people walking past me that look just like me saying oh you're a white boy you're a white boy go home (laughs) and they're saying it in French or in broken English and I'm thinking to myself like how does this make any sense where can Uh, I go and just be in my own body and be okay with it Yeah, I can't even be at home I had to call the police on my neighbors a few months ago the neighbor apparently had a stroke, and in her husband's eyes, she's allowed to talk and say whatever she feels like. I cut down a tree that was, like, rubbing against my house that I own. She comes outside and said, you black, and I said, say it. I just need you to say it so at least I know where we stand.
0: Mm. uh-huh
2: And her husband was like, no, go back in the house. No, go back in the house. I had to call the police in protection of them, not because I was afraid. And when I was talking to dispatch, I had to repeat myself several times telling her to tell the officer that's in route that I'm an Mm -hmm. African-American male and I will be sitting on my porch when you get here. Mm -hmm. And I sat right there until he showed up. And when I saw him park his car, and when I heard his footsteps coming up the pathway, I put my hands in the air and said, hey, I just want you to know I was the one who called you guys. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. The, two, the two neighbors came out, and they're um, enraged. Now, oh, finally, you guys have showed up. Yada, yada, yada. What are you guys going to do your job? I would never talk to an officer like that. Yep. I had never seen white privilege hit me so hard in the face. The officer was like, excuse me, sir, I'm trying to talk to Mr. Frederick. And he was like, he's even lying to you about his name. His name isn't Mr. Frederick. His name is Norris. And I said, Frederick is my last name. And the dude was like, so the officer was like, I'm going to need you to calm down. I'm going to listen to him first. The wife in the background was flipping me off, doing this with her hand. And the officer said, if she does that one more time, I'm going to put her in handcuffs. He said, you can't talk to my wife like that. She just had a stroke. And he was like, I have, we have places we can put her too. I had never (laughs) in my life been so happy to be at the right place at the right time. So when people are asking me, are all cops bad people, that is one experience that I can sit back and be like, no, not even a tiny bit. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: What he showed me was all these incidents, right? All these 480 plus people that have died through police brutality that were black, that there's one good person out there that it, when I call I am not fearful of my life. And it was like the most mind-blowing thing. I had to call my mom and I was almost in tears. And she said, "I'm so proud of you for being able to do that and to feel comfortable doing that." I wow, yeah. Oh, shit out of those people.
0: Norris, I will tell you, but when you described the story, you know what stood out to me is the fact that after you called you repeatedly had to tell the dispatch, or you felt you had to, right? Whether you did or not, you felt you had to. And then you felt the need to sit on the porch. And as soon as he shows up, to have your hands in the air, and to all of these signs, you were giving symbols and you were manipulating the situation because you felt deeply that if you did not... There was a lot of potential for that for that entire situation to be misrepresented simply because it was you and white neighbors. Like that's it, sure. and and that to me is. I mean, it's the sadness. I I, I can't. Even, that. That's, that's the problem. Like like George Floyd is obviously the problem, and and the deaths are the problem. But it's 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 so much more prevalent than 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 those, very extreme incidences. It's the. It's the consistent small incidences and in, in the, in the, in the, the way that you felt you had to handle that situation to get a good outcome. To not, not even to get a good outcome, to get a, to get a fair and just outcome, right? Right. it's, it's, it's uh,
2: all about playing the game. That's all it is. It's all, about you, it's all about speaking their language. If I were to lead, Brian, be honest with me. If I were to lead with emotion and that cop showed up and I'm in those uh-huh. cases doing this, doing that, what would the cop have done?
0: The cop would have taken your neighbor's side, hundred percent. They would have just assumed would it, they would have they would have yeah. had a stereotype in their mind about how this how this all came about and, and When I
2: first moved here, when I first moved in this area, the neighbors stopped me. Not the not the neighbors I just referenced, another batch of neighbors stopped me and was like, Hey, you can't park your car here I said, Why not? Well you don't own that. I said, I sure do. Well when did you move in? Why does that matter? Right. How? How? When did you become the census bureau? Like, I don't need to tell you anything about my life, right? Just like Brian, like, yeah. I told him, I said, no, I just moved in a few days ago. It's nice to meet you. And I said, here's what I can do for you. So I, I have a, a one of my sponsors makes like my customized socks. Okay. So I went to their house and brought all of their family members' socks. Now you're probably thinking, like, huh? When you move into a neighborhood, aren't they supposed to bring you stuff? You would think but I just need to speak their language. I want to be
1: the unthreatening black dude. Yeah. And that's the point though. You're not threatening. But, but you guys know that because we've had conversations. No, what I'm saying saying is now I'm not talking to you, homie. I'm talking to all the people. I'm telling them that I'm saying like, that's, I I was thinking to myself today. I said, man, you know, we got an apparel company. I said, maybe we should make a t-shirt for all black males. That says I'm, I'm a nice guy. Just so you know, because if you look at my color, my skin, you immediately think I'm a, I'm 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 gonna come rob you. I'm gonna take something from you. I'm out doing no good. So let me just make it very clear and state it before from afar, so you can see that it says I'm like I gotta wear a sign, like a name badge. I'm a nice guy. Don't worry, I'm not gonna rob you. you know I mean,
2: how cool I'm, do I'm, you think that's gonna stick around? Before somebody starts saying that, that that's a gang or a cult or <laughs> yeah. this or no, that.
1: I know it's a, it's it's obviously it's a joke. But what I'm saying is like, it's like, is that what we have to do? Do we have to spell it out for you? Do we have to tell you beforehand? Do I have to walk all of my hands up in order for you to know that I'm not doing anything? Like, well, I don't know. that's I don't the know point. The point favorite. is that it's absurd. It's absurd. They have, you those know?
2: T-shirts, they have those T-shirts that said Black Lives Matter. And on the back, it says I can't breathe. They banned those. In high school, for high school basketball games, because teams were trying to mimic what the NBA was doing, so mm. they started giving technical fouls to every single player on the teams that were wearing those shirts and warmups. So, like, when, when can we, when can we have a voice? So, if you're telling, well,
1: I think, go ahead. I think that what you've done, I think that what you've done, Norris, is, and this is the point. I mean, it's it's it's, it's this is a hard conversation to have without being emotional about it. So we should be emotional about it. But the thing that uh, that, that that is most important to uh, myself and I believe Brian shares the same sentiment which is why I think he's such an amazing human being and a great business partner is that we understand that we have such a greater responsibility than just trying to make have a, earn, a li- earn a living and build businesses and do all this it's like it's everything that you do matters. I don't care what it is that you're doing. Everything that you do matters. And when we look at uh, even this business that we've been building together, I said, it's still a platform and we still have a responsibility to to, to the society that we actually want to positively influence with the things that we're we're creating through our apparel company. And I said, if we don't say something, then we're standing in support of the thing that we actually don't support, which is injustice and inequality. I truly believe that the things that you're doing is a reflection of you now speaking up and saying, look, I've never stood for this. And now let me clearly state that. And then, and I hope that you continue to do that because you are extremely gifted in that regard. And I saw it and witnessed it, you know, when we first connected. Uh, I mean, gosh, I honestly I, was it almost 15 years ago or something like that i mean norris you've grown man so much and um you'll do us all a service by continuing to do what you did with this last video that uh uh, i stand 100 percent behind and and in terms of you being willing to speak and share your experience with all of us and i thank you for doing that and i hope that you continue to do that
0: thank you i wanna there's one thing I want, I do believe uh, two days ago, even yesterday in the morning, maybe I can't even explain really how sort of just kind of empty I felt like it, it was like a lack of emotion. It wasn't like anger and fear or about the riots or protests or anything. It was just sort of like this, like emptiness of, and it, it kind of just felt like a uh, futility for me, right. In my position, in my, in my role, whatever. Um, but I uh, Norris, I don't know if you've heard of this. It's called Campaign Zero. It's a it's a it's a it's a nonprofit that's been uh, working since Ferguson to just do like the hard work of understanding the systemic problems with police forces and with and 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 with the the police contracts, the unions, the policies, all this stuff that like that for a long time has been kept hidden from people and uh, intentionally because it allows the police to not have to reconcile with with their behavior, right? And they've just released this, this um, research and, and they have a website called 8 Can't Wait. And I'll, and I'll share this with you, Norris, separately and I'll put it in the, uh, in the show notes and everything for people. But I, I have, I'm feeling a little bit more hopeful in that I think these problems are largely systemic. And, and usually if you can identify the main drivers of the worst aspects of the behavior and you can fix those areas... You can make so much good with with a very small amount of change actually it 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 it, it'll take it takes forever to get to perfect but it doesn't take that long to get much better right if if you if you accept with uh, humility that change needs to happen and you and you approach it with a mindset of willing willingly aiming to achieve a better outcome and they they've got these eight different policies that they recommend every police department change and the website is very simple but very clear. It shows you your city and what policies they they follow and don't follow. And um, I hope um, that that we can move in this direction of having everyone like you, Norris, be feeling comfortable and willing to share your feelings, your, your experience, so that we can understand it. And then actually getting to work on on removing the barriers that, that stop change from happening. Like we have to, we have to get more transparent about the reality of how police forces work and what works and what doesn't. And we have to change policies that allow police officers to be abusive. If they're not allowed to follow to, to if they're not allowed to put people in chokeholds or strangleholds, then nobody gets choked to death. Like that's the fundamental truth. Like if you, if you eliminate that, you eliminate at least one lever for, for this abuse that's happening. And, um, I I'm more mentioning it to you because I I I don't know how to go forward. I want to be hopeful about this. I want to have, be positive and try to think of, that there's a a direction forward. And I guess I want to I've said all that and I want to throw it to you and I want to understand how you're feeling about looking towards the future. Do you feel hopeful? Do you feel ambivalent? I mean, what's your what's your I just I'm more asking what are you feeling right now as you look forward? For, for both for you and for us as a society
2: So I mean just being completely honest um, my feelings are indifferent. obviously I'm a I'm an optimistic guy so I'm always hoping for change and I'm always hoping for the betterment of, of society and people around me and things around me My mom grew up and went to a school where she was one of about 10 Black kids in the entire school. I grew up and went to a school where I was around the same. Hmm. My mom is older than me, clearly. (laughs) Have I seen a ton of change? Don't get me wrong, I really have. Does it come really, really slow? Yeah. I'm not asking for perfect, just like you said. I'm just asking for progress. Do I see the progress? Sure. Do I think that what happened to George Floyd is gonna change how everything in this world is gonna happen and work? Absolutely not. I'd be stupid to think that. Only because of this. Brian, answer this question and just be as honest as you possibly can. If we weren't on a quarantine, if our society wasn't on lockdown if the only thing if we if social media and the news weren't the only sources of information and human interaction we have right now today do you think that these cases would have gotten as much publicity as it is ask yourself and be honest
0: i i actually in this case uh, okay, as much maybe not because I do think the the fact that we're in quarantine amplifies something. It, it definitely amplifies the reaction and the protests and and everything. But I, I actually do. I think especially the Ahmad Aubrey and the George Floyd videos are so extreme that I think I think I think they would have made it in front of everybody i i it wasn't
2: ex- it wasn't as extreme as the black dude that was running jogging down the street in the neighborhood and got killed by two white people
0: but that's what i mean uh, uh, Aubrey, he's the other one that's yeah so he him and what the george floyd the one.
2: what about the cop that walked into the wrong apartment building after her shift and shot the unarmed black dude in his own apartment and they did as best as they could to try to cover it up and said he had drugs in his apartment <sighs> or what about the fact that Michael Michael Vick did more jail time than all the cops that have ever killed any black people combined. My this quarantine has amplified everything. Yes. You're right. Do I think that this case is any different than any other case? No. Absolutely not. What is the the only thing that's changed in this in this in this whole conversation and situation is technology's gotten better. Think about about what the hell we just saw. How many angles have we seen from that video of George Floyd? Countless, right? Yeah. How many people did you see try to intercept and get in there and help? So, what are we doing? We'd rather get a good story to get likes and views and comments than to save a fucking dude's life. Are we kidding? We're on quarantine. You're gonna go home and post this video knowing what's gonna happen. This Uh is viral. But the dude died. And right now, the only thing we're doing is throwing fucking money to his family? I lost my dad to a murder. I don't give a damn about the money. I want my dad back. You know what I'm saying? So like, a stat came out this morning, there's $100 billion for the police department to do whatever they need to do with for training, for this, for that, for this, for that. It costs $20 billion for every American citizen to get a free college education in this country. So you're sitting here telling me that our world isn't backwards? Um, it costs $40, million or $40 billion to get every homeless person off the street and to have them start a brand new life. We're spending $100 billion on people that are kicking my own ass. Do I think that there's gonna be some change? I think right now we're going to ride this wave until whoever opens up the society again and we're able to travel and see what else is out there in the world. And then we're going to go right back to what we've been doing because it's already happened. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but history just comes in patterns, right? Back in the day, basketball players used to wear these short shorts with these commerce low tops and yada, yada, yada. That fashion has come back three times in my existence. <laughs> We've seen this movie. This movie. I want there to be change. I want to link arms with officers and walk down the street and play basketball. And one of my best friends on this entire world is an officer. And he told me, if I get behind someone in my squad car and just follow them, they're going to break the law. And I asked him, I said, what the hell does that sound like? he I mean, was like, what? That's what we're told to do. I said, it sounds like if you're looking for someone to do something wrong, you're going to find it. Mm-hmm. How uncomfortable? If I was just looking at you through your window, Brian, right now, how long is it going to be until you do something or until you feel uncomfortable? Like, I'm breaking your personal space. Of course I'm going to do something erratic. Yep. Like, I, I pray to God every single day. I kid you not that I want change. And I told the parents that I was training – that I was working out with today. I wouldn't wish my life, or what it's like to be a black man, on my worst enemy. Because nobody needs to feel a victim or trapped in their own body because of the color of their skin. I can't wipe this off. I would never want to wipe this off. I'm proud of who I am. When I was in elementary school and middle school, I don't know about you, John, but I used to want to be, to feel, and know what it was like to be white.
1: Yeah, I did. I was ashamed. Oh, I remember being in third grade angry because I wasn't white because I, I was made to believe and I, and it's funny how they say, four, this is what 400 years of oppression looks like when people get tired of it. I, I was made to believe in somehow it's not even, it wasn't even my own household. I was, I, I was having to fight the thought that I was stupid because I was black. I I literally at third grade, as early as third grade, I remember thinking that going to school, thinking that I had to beat all the white kids in my advanced classes. I fought to get into the advanced classes because I didn't want to feel stupid. So I fought and fought and fought to 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 just prove to myself that I wasn't stupid because I was black. And I don't even know where that came from. It just was there. It's in the air. And we're having to fight all of that on top of everything else, it's in our head. And I don't even know where that came from. Right. It's and guess not... what? I'm 38 years old and I still have to fight that thought that I'm not stupid and that I'm not incapable simply because I'm black. I got... Where did that come from? Where did that come from?
2: Right, I got taught black history for the first seven or eight years of school by a by a white person. And what we did in elementary school, she said, uh, we're gonna watch a movie. It's about black history. I was one of five black kids in that entire school. I was the only black kid in my entire fifth grade class.
1: Yeah, me and too. She said, we're gonna watch Roots.
2: Yeah, she said, we're gonna watch Roots. And I walked up wow. to her and I said, hey, can I go sit in in-house suspension? This movie makes me aggressive. She said, mm-hmm. no, you need to watch it. Every black person I know has seen that movie. I don't want to watch that with white people. So I said, can I take my desk and go outside and do some extra credit? She said, no. You're going to sit down and you're going to watch it like the rest of your, cla- your your classmates. I sat there. We went to recess. This is still the first day. We maybe got, we maybe got 50 minutes into the movie. At recess, these kids are running around the playground playing catch the slave. Now, Brian, I can only imagine who you would assume the slave was. <laughs> yeah. So I get into a fist fight. Brian, I got suspended for five days. Yep. And then the teacher lied on me and said, he never brought this to my attention. <laughs> so now I got to go home and, and 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 deal with my mom. Wow. Because black parents, when they see potential in their kids, and I hope to God all of them do, they hold you at a different standard when it comes to education. Yep. So she whipped my entire ass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I'm just sitting there like I did everything I was supposed to do. But these kids, if you think about it, we're in fifth grade. You're starting to understand a few things. We're not five or six years old. You can formulate these sentences. You know what's going on. But you're backing this up watching what your people are doing to my people on a movie. You don't see anything Mm -hmm. that's wrong with it because it's only been 50 minutes into the movie. I know how that movie is. So I was like, I don't want to watch this, but yet she thought she knew what was best for me. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I had seen that movie, and you know, like just circling back when me at first gone on this call, I referenced that white people right now need to stop asking black people if they're okay, and I meant that whole I meant that with the fullest extent of my heart, Brian. If oh. I hadn't talked to you for five years. And the first conversation I I sent you or texted you or had a conversation with you about was, hey, Brian, how's white privilege going? How would you respond to me?
0: I don't know. I have no idea how I would respond to you, but it wouldn't be positive. That is exactly how we feel right (laughs) now.
2: Or asking me, asking me for resources. Well, where can I donate? Shit, donate to me. If you want to put your money where your mouth is, send me a check. I've been dealing with this shit. Don't just feel guilty today. You got people on on social media making this a damn contest. I donated 10 bucks and sending a screenshot. I don't give a flying fuck. I don't care how much you've donated. Don't ask me for the resources. I have to get online and Google it just like you would. Stop trying to have a (laughs) conversation with me about your insecurities. Go on Google. Everybody has a link in their bio right now. Every Karen, barbecue patty, all of them got a link in their bio. Go figure it out. I just, I don't get it. And it's like going off of what you said, John, like I'm just tired. I'm I'm more so tired of just having the conversation of like, no, I'm
1: okay. This is just a normal day for me. That's and what my homie said. He right. said, I'm tired of explaining is- it. I'm tired of justifying it. I'm tired of dancing. I'm tired of I'm tired of, you know, my mom crying because she worried when I leave the house, if I'm going to make it back. I'm tired of my daughter wondering if she's going to lose her daddy. I'm tired. Right. I'm tired. I'm tired. And I was and honestly, it's it's funny because, uh, you know, I think that, you know, this is where I I, want to take the the latter half of wherever this is going. This is this conversation uh, because we appreciate your time, Norris. At the end of the day, you know, yeah, anybody listening to this episode can hear the emotion in, in all of our voices. You know, um, I feel the same way that Norris feels and obviously Brian feels the same way that we both feel and, and, and that we care about all people. We we, we, we love and celebrate all, all races, all religions, all backgrounds, because that's what makes the world beautiful. That's what makes America beautiful and the fact that we can't enjoy the di- that, that, the di- that diversity because if it was all the same, it' would be boring. trust me, nobody wants it even those who say they do, they really don't you know because once you get something again it's, it's it's human nature. The moment you get it, it ain't good enough. you know what I mean like you said, you asked the question and, and, and your thing and i I'd love to have you say it again just to very clearly state it you said you asked this unique question about what if everybody left? And it was just if, if, if it's just the white thing and, and, and whites want America to be strictly white, straight up white, only white. What happens when you get that? Then what happens? There's always going to be a problem. I tell my kids all the time, I said, pray for new problems. They said, no, I want to pray for no problems. I said, nah, that's not how it works. You're always going to have problems. They said, if you pray for new problems, that means that you've solved the old ones. You should always want new problems. I want new problems. I don't want old problems. I want to spend my life trying to solve the same problem I was trying to solve when I was five, when I'm 65. You know what I'm saying? So, we can all hope for, uh, you know, you might hope for one thing, but as soon as you get it, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, 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 you're going to move on to the next thing. So, uh, there's never you're never going to be satisfied is the answer to the question you posed in, in that video. In my opinion, you're never going to be satisfied so I, I I say, you know, we seek acceptance. We seek, you know, co- the the conversation for clarity. You know, people are people are most scared, I believe, when they're uncertain, when they don't know, when they're living in this 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 darkness of not knowing something. You don't know me. I'm a black man, and you don't know me. But you see me, and you get scared. But I guarantee you, if you were to talk to me, give me about five minutes, you will love me. Because right. you understand that I'm a, I am. I am here for you and I'm here for all of you. And if you just spoke to me, you would find out that, man, I'm trying to make your community better, our community better, this world better. Just because I'm black. That has nothing to do with me being a human being. That's just the color of my skin. That's just the, that's just the complexion. That has nothing to do with my character. You know what I'm saying? And so I hope that people will talk to people. Just ask me a question. Hey man, are you going to rob me? No, I'm not. Actually, I'd like to help you with your groceries to your car. And is there anything else that I can help you out with? Why? Because I'm your neighbor. I'm your fellow American.
2: I'll, I'll never forget this, man. I got invited to a, a country club uh, with a friend a few years back for like some Christmas party. Mm-hmm. It was, in, it was in a, a gated-off community in Seattle. So um, I'm sure we're all taking the same thing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so
2: I show up, and I completely, immediately felt uncomfortable. But yet, yeah, this is normal. So I'm just walking around minding my own, hanging out with the yep. lady that brought me, doing my thing, shaking hands, meeting people. This older woman, this older woman... Um, had a a glass of champagne. I'm I'm assuming it was champagne. I don't know. And she handed it to me. And I said, what are you doing with this? She was like, oh, could you take this in the back? I looked around and was like, I'm sorry, what was that? And she was like, don't you work here? And I was like, no. I'm dressed in Uh a tuxedo. Why would I? No. (laughs) And she was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Later on that night, Later on that night, I can't make this up. Later on that night, another older woman, she was old. She had her cup on the. She had a glass of wine on the ground because she was sitting down. She put it on the side of her table or or on the side of the ground by her leg, and she stood up. And I said, oh, you forgot your drink. And I reached down to get the drink, and she swatted my hand away and was like, don't you dare touch that. I don't want your hands on on my glass. And I said, I was just trying to help. Do I look like I need your help? And I wanted to be like, kind of, but I was like,
1: <laughs> "Right."
2: I said, I'm sorry. No worries. I walked off. Yep. And then we got to like the, the 55 to 60 year old range. Like now these women are dancing and all this kind of stuff. And I'm out just hanging out. I don't want to dance. I don't dance to this kind of music. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I'm just sitting at the cool. table on my phone and this woman comes up and was like, aren't you a sight to look at? And I'm thinking to myself, like, I believe I'm getting hit on.
1: Uh-huh. So
2: I was like, oh, I'm sorry, my name is Norris. And I reached out to shake her hand and she like grabbed my hand and started caressing it. And I'm thinking to myself, like your husband has to be here. He's going to see this. Right. And then how am I going to defend myself out of this situation? Nobody in here but the person that brought me likes me. So she was like, um, she was like, do you want to you go dance? Like yadda yadda yadda. And I was like, I'm, I'm good, I'm good. Another guy comes over and was like, you're an athlete, aren't you? What are you doing here? Like, I just couldn't be a human being. I couldn't be anything but, like, a predator or an athlete. Or I, I was just like, I would. all this happened in one night. So I was like, I got to go. And the lady I was with was like, I completely understand. I'm so sorry. Wow. Yeah. You knew this was going to happen.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You knew that this was going to happen. But, like...
1: She didn't sound surprised. Bruh! She
2: asked me, she said, you want to go back to my condo and I'll just meet you there? No, I want to go all the way home. I want to go all the way to my bedroom. Yeah. Look, I guess when it all boils down to it, Brian, like, I don't want people to look at this podcast and think that, like, I'm not out here pushing for change because I truly am.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: I'm just, like, emotionally charged right now because of this situation is getting the wrong type of attention in my humble in my humble opinion. Uh-huh. Uh, I do not believe that people need to be looting and spray painting Black Lives Matter on people's buildings and things like that because that's counterproductive. I also don't believe that the media should be pushing certain things to, to get attention and blase and blase, I don't believe in that as well. I believe before you're out in the streets protesting, you should talk to someone and get educated I put a post up on my film page and said black lives matter because to me, black lives matter immediately. I got a comment saying all lives. Yeah. I don't do that. Blah, blah, blah. So I just erased the comment and I just changed the caption. Cause it's not worth me having to justify who or what I am to anybody anymore. Mm-hmm. And I'm tired of it. And like, I'll say it again. I love all people. I love all backgrounds. I'm not going to sit here and be like, my best friend is white because my best friend is not white. I don't need to have that conversation. But I love everybody equal. I will not shy away from making a new friend. I will not shy away from extending my hand to try to help. I've been in a situation where I didn't have help. I've been in situations where I had nobody to lean on. I don't want to be in that situation, nor do I want that for anyone else. So if I do see someone who's having a hard time bending over to pick up their glass of wine, I will do my best to accommodate that. Or like John said, like if there's an older woman or a person that just may need some extra help with their groceries, I will offer up a helping hand. At the end of the day, we are all in this together whether we like it or not. Absolutely. Not like me not one bit. But all these materialistic things that you got, all this hate that you got in your heart, that doesn't go with you when you die. The one thing that you do not see in a funeral is a U-Haul taking all your stuff to the grave with you. You don't see that. I just want everybody to have the equal opportunity to live the same type of life with all the same opportunities in it. That's all that I've ever wanted. I will open my hand, my heart, my arms to anyone. My cousin just left here from a three and a half hour drive. She said she drove up here because she just needed a hug. Are you kidding me? You drove over 200 miles to get a hug because you're not getting that in your own city.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: It's heartbreaking. So, like, I want change, I want change more than anything. I don't think throwing money at a problem is anything but a Band-Aid that we've repeatedly seen. I think one of the safest places right now in our country is to be an officer of the law because you can legitimately get away with murder. If I've had a bad experience with white people, I just have to become a cop and then I can legally do what I need to do is what I'm being told through the media. Uh It's tough and it's a challenge.
1: It's and a very like, interesting statement. It's a very interesting statement to make, but it's uh one I've never even I've never even considered until you said it. it's very interesting, Norris.
2: It's it's sad, man. It's sad. Yeah. And like like I said, one of my best friends is a cop. I love him to death, and I worry every single day that he goes to work that he makes it home, and he's in the gang unit on top of that. So he's essentially fighting against his own kind to make his streets and his community a better place. Mm -hmm. And it's sad. But again, he told me to my face, I haven't had to pull my gun out one time. And he's been on the force for three years in the gang unit. You kidding me? (laughs) So I don't know, Brian or John, I wish I had the answers. I wish I knew the secret sauce. I just think right now we all need to pull our heads out of our ass and we need to look at one another as equal. It's not like they're saying you know, one step, you know, the first person on the moon, the first white person on the moon, they're gonna be like the first black guy on the moon, but they'll never say the first white person to do anything because it's expected. And like, that's confusing to me. I've never heard, well, the first white person to graduate from Princeton Princeton was the Victoria. I've never heard that before. Uh-huh. But like, hopefully things will change. Hopefully things will make better sense. Hopefully we can stop seeing this like pyramid of color and just seeing people for who they are. Like the lady today was like, "Did you?" Re-, and she's a young girl. She said, "Did you realize that women and men don't even get paid equally? So we're also in our own fight." And I wanted to be like, "Try being black in a woman." But I I wanted her to have that. If she if she If she had enough courage to have this conversation with me, I need her to win. I need her to have that so she's not afraid to say that to someone else. Mm -hmm. Uh That's the issue. We can't even tell people to shut up or get out of my face because it's not politically correct anymore. People get all sensitive and butt hurt. But I don't know. I'm trying my best to, to figure out what I think can be done in this situation. Not for the betterment of myself, but for the betterment of my community. I shouldn't have to to put my GPS on to go to the store. I shouldn't have to do any of this stuff. I, I should be able to walk around free like everybody else. And I feel like at least this day and age that this has all been taken from me. And now, you know, with this quarantine, people are forced to see what reality is like for other people outside themselves. People are complaining yeah. about your job and going on, on unemployment. That's not a big deal for me. I've been on unemployment yeah. half my life up until a, as a, before I was an adult. Yeah. Like,,
0: yeah.
2: I don't understand. I don't get it. Like we used to grocery shop at the food bank. I am not above that. Do I got yeah. money now? Yeah. Do I still look for a bargain? Of course.
1: I am not better than where I've come from like I just I I don't know I hope something I think you said it I think you said it man I think you said it I think that the first thing is to, to, to have the conversation and to hear each other I mean I think that it's hard for people to just shut up and listen but sometimes you just need to shut up and listen I think you just need to close your mouth be quiet and let the other person tell you what you don't know right you know you know you assume all this stuff but you just don't know and I think that that's i think that's where we should end it i think that that's i think that's the key thing about it is that you broke the silence that you can start the conversation because you have a right to say how you feel i think you i think you hit the nail on the head i think that's what's so beautiful about and what stood out to me in terms of the relevance and significance more importantly the significance of the fact that you said what you said and that that video is stating what it's stating um it's it's a man in this country Who doesn't feel like he's home in his own home, you know, and that he's safe in his own country and that he can't honestly and openly contribute to the betterment of his own country. We need to be able to have this conversation, everybody, and we need to be able to listen. I don't need you to comment on everything. Nobody needs anybody to comment on everything. You need to be able to say how you feel about what you're dealing with and what you're concerned with so that we can all have a better understanding first. You just need to hear it so that you can get some understanding. That's where we got to start, in my opinion, because that's all that we can really do is just shut up and listen. Stop trying to get this attention. Stop using social media to get your name out there. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. If it ain't relevant, it's irrelevant. If it ain't going to make a difference and it's not adding value to other people's lives, stop doing it. Please.
2: Agreed.
1: It's a waste. It's falling into a void because most people ain't going to see it anyway. And if it gets attention, it's probably going to be the wrong kind of attention Most, more often than not, unless it's truly of value and it's going to contribute to the progress of society and what we're really dealing with. you know. And this is everybody's problem, just to be clear. What we're talking about in a black problem, it's our problem. It's an everybody problem. It's a human problem. A human race problem. We got a problem. We all have this problem. And I hope that more people will have a conversation like we did today. Uh, Brian, uh, if you don't mind just closing it out for us, man. Appreciate it. Well, just
0: Norris, thank you for joining. Thank you for making the video you made. Thank you for approaching it from a very thoughtful and and personal perspective, because I think, um, I don't know, it was good for me to see it. It was good for me to hear what you had to say. Thank you for joining us. I don't have much else. I I just, I really appreciate it. Honestly, like I, there's not much, like I said, there's not much I can say that I expect to say that's going to make you feel better, but, um, but it's been good for me to have this conversation and I, I hope that it's good for everybody who, who hears it. And so thank you again for joining us Norris and John and, uh, be safe out there. Okay.
2: Thank you. You guys.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all for tuning in. You can find links to any articles or items we referenced in the show notes. Please subscribe and be sure to give us a rating and remember to tell a friend about the show. The Gobi More podcast is produced by Gobi More Apparel. Check us out at gobimore.co. For all of us at Gobi More, we are what the world is chasing and we hope this podcast helps you become what the world is chasing too.